This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Hello, everyone. My name is Erin Trelor, and I am the host of Raw Beauty Talks. We're taking you behind the highlight reel of the world's biggest influencers and wellness gurus to get a raw glimpse of what beauty, health, and wellness look like in today's world so that you can feel your absolute best in your body and in your life. Oh my gosh, I am beyond excited about today's guest. This one is, oh, she's really special. I honestly was up last night just reading about her story and was in tears, just sobbing, listening to this woman's incredible journey. After losing her leg to cancer at the age of nine, Jess Quinn has spent her life learning how to live beyond her adversity and with love for the skin she's in. She's an advocate for self-love, a teacher, and an inspirational role model to her 180,000 plus followers. She was a star on Dancing with the Stars New Zealand. She presented a TED Talk last year and recently was signed with an LA-based modeling agency. Jess has turned her adversity into a career of helping others push through life's triumphs and continues to lead by example by taking all the challenges that come her way. Jess, I just want to start off by saying that I watched your TED Talk last night. And as I mentioned, I just had tears streaming down my face as I watched you as this young girl just terrorized with cancer, but you fought it and you rose and you are now this strong, passionate, beautiful, empathetic woman who is impacting so many people. Do you recognize that that is you? Wow, what an introduction. (laughs) Um, That's how everyone feels about you. Like, wow, I just get goosebumps hearing this story. And it's so touching as a mom, seeing these images of you as this you know, young child who is faced with something that even for adults can knock you to your knees. And here you are, this little bean, and you've lost your hair. We'll share some links to her story so that everyone can kind of follow along. How did you find out that you had cancer? It was quite a a long journey, actually. I I was a really athletic kid. Um, I was just all about outdoors. I was quite a tomboy. I just wanted to be kind of playing outside with my friends and it was one weekend at home and my little sister, she was inside, she was taking a nap and my older sister and I went outside to play around with a soccer ball, just playing around in the backyard and I decided to balance on a soccer ball, which kids do and I ended up completely coming to the ground with a scream and my leg had actually fractured. I got rushed into the hospital and it turned out that I'd broken my femur bone which is the strongest bone in your body it lives in your thigh. Snapping the strongest bone in your body just standing on a soccer ball is quite weird but I went into surgery and spent about four months trying to heal what they thought was just a broken femur bone. It wasn't healing. Every attempt to walk was horrifically painful and I just couldn't quite get my mobility back. The doctors decided, you know, this isn't normal. Let's put her through a series of tests to kind of see what else could be going on here. And then before my parents knew it, they found themselves in a room. I don't think they ever imagined being being in, hearing that I had cancer, basically. So I had a osteosarcoma, which is a form of bone cancer. And that is basically what had been living in my femur bone and had weakened it, causing it to break in the first place. So, yeah, it was quite a interesting process and something I think my parents were quite horrified that I'd broken my femur bone. But I don't think we realized what we were actually in store for at that time. 
No, you could never imagine. And it's almost it's your worst nightmare as a parent to experience something like that. I can only imagine when you're that age what it's like trying to process this information. Like, did you even know what cancer was at that age? How did you take the news? I feel like I live my life in hindsight sometimes because I don't recall a lot of what I went through. And a lot of it, I'm like, wow, that's really interesting perspective when I look back of how I could have felt or all that kind of stuff. And I think I did know what cancer was because something I thought about recently was that my my granddad, my mom's dad had died probably two years or a year before I had been diagnosed, which in reflection, I'm like, wow, that is horrific for my poor mother. I think I knew what cancer was, but I think when you're a nine-year-old kid, I don't think you realize the implications that things are going to have on your life forever. And it was kind of just, I'd broken this bone. I'd spent about four months trying to heal this break. And I was already kind of living in this hospital environment. And then all of a sudden I was back in that hospital environment, having a whole lot of treatment that I understood, but it also just kind of became a part of life. And, you know, I spent a year or just shy of a year trying to, I guess, have treatment for this cancer and, I don't really recall what it felt like being told that I had cancer. I don't remember that conversation. I think I was sheltered a lot from it. Obviously, my parents took the brunt of most of the conversations because, you know, I was learning to spell not necessarily knowing that cancer. I guess I lived day by day, not kind of understanding what was really going on. But then I guess... I don't know. It's a really hard one to kind of pinpoint, if that makes sense. Yeah, no. And I think in some ways it was probably a blessing that you didn't have this preconceived notion of what cancer meant and what the statistics say and all of that, because I feel like sometimes in the recovery and healing process, our mindset plays such a big part in that. And so this young, innocent girl is experiencing this. And like you said, your parents were probably sheltering you from some of the reality of what was happening. But the naivety there is probably helpful in a way, if that makes sense. I talk about that so much in a lot of the speaking that I do and how grateful I am that this happened to me as a kid you know I mentor people now who have it's usually young kids because that's the kind of cancer happens in young kids but I have mentored a couple of people who are you know around my age and in their early 20s and you know they're going through what I went through at that age and they're just having to relearn everything they know and as you mentioned like you're almost too aware that it's impossible for your mind to not get in the way but when you're naive to what's going on my mindset was, I guess, in a good place because I didn't know what was happening. And it's something that I'm definitely hugely grateful for. And I think I put my resilience and positive attitude hugely down to that because, you know, we get fear as we get older, you know, fear is ingrained into us as we grow. We're so fearless as kids. And I think going through what I did at that young age, I was able to be fearless within it. And therefore it set me up for this kind of fearless life that I live. And fearless you are. You have done so many incredible things, which I'm really excited to talk about. But I would love to know, just on this note, are you fearless? Would you say that you don't have fear anymore? Or is it an ability to walk through fear? Yeah, definitely the latter. I I was definitely fearless as a kid and it's something I reflect on a lot and I'm like, damn, I want that back. And I think as adults, we all have that (laughs) fearlessness that we have as kids, you know, like just little things. I think like jumping off something really high when you're a kid, even after I lost my leg, I was just this resilient 
joy of, I don't know, just fearlessness bouncing around. But, you know, now you know the implications and you're like, okay, if I, if I break a bone right now, you know, I'm going to lose my job or whatever goes on in your head. I definitely think it gave me the ability to, to I guess, meet fear with the right attitude and I can now look at it and I'm scared, but I, I walk through it, you know, or I find a way around it or I, you know, I work through those obstacles. So yeah, I definitely, I'd love to say that I'm fearless, but um, I look probably three times before I cross the road, you know, but I'm, I'm going to cross the road. Yes. Let's float back for a second. You had the cancer, you went through treatment. It sounds like that took about a year. What did that involve and what, what was the outcome? When did you find out you were cancer free? The treatment, I think it was about I want to say nine months I had chemotherapy and, you know, my cancer, it was pretty bad. I was given the strongest chemo at its strongest dose. Um, I can't remember my exact schedule, but it would be something like two weeks in the hospital having chemotherapy and a whole lot of other treatments or surgeries or procedures. Um, And then I'd get a week off to rebuild my immune system and then I'd be back in for a week. And then that cycle would just repeat and repeat depending, you know, there's different cycles of chemotherapy that you have. It's all depending on how you respond back to that because it really knocks your immune system and it knocks your whole body. I think it got to maybe October. Um, I started chemo in June. It got to October of 2001 and I weighed about 18 kilos. It just, you know, it completely takes everything from you. I had a feeding tube in my nose, which was just basically forcing me to eat because you have no interest in food. I had ulcers lining my whole mouth. There's just so many side effects to chemotherapy that people are, are really aware of. And, you know, I'd completely lost every single hair on my body, except for that one week or two weeks off where your your body's kind of rebuilding its immune system back up and your hair starts to grow. So there's certain photos where I look like I've had a a run-in with a terrible hairdresser. (laughs) But, yeah, I went through all of the things like, you know, I imagine people listening who haven't been through cancer probably see in the movies, you know, I literally woke up one morning and there was patches of hair on my pillow and it literally comes out in clumps. As a nine-year-old girl waking up and having clumps of your hair on a pillow is just the most disheartening thing, but something that's actually quite a funny story and it probably shows a lot about the support that I had and the positivity that I had around me. But my family and close family friends decided to throw a a shave the hair party because you know we decided it was better to have no hair than have patchy hair so you know people bought cake and my family friends came along and we ended up shaving my hair they tried to turn it into a positive experience which yeah definitely pays a lot for the support that I had around me yeah it was a, a horrible um nine months or eight months or whatever that was and then I don't know when the decision was made but it was basically seen that the cancer just wasn't shrinking and the only I guess way to save my life would be to amputate my legs so they decided to do that and they sat down with my parents I had very limited options just because of the um, initial break it had caused a few complications so I was basically presented with a very rare surgery in fact I was the first successful one in New Zealand and yeah it was a 14 hour surgery that would basically amputate my leg but in a way that would give me the best mobility and the best way to get back to this independent active life that I really wanted to live and that I think anyone would want to live so yeah I underwent a 14-hour surgery and 
the surgery was hugely successful. I spent the next, I think, maybe month actually um, just kind of in intensive care, just making sure everything was okay. And then I had to go through some more chemotherapy just to make sure that the cancer was gone. And that was the hardest part of my whole journey because, you know, October I'd had this massive surgery that took a huge toll on my body. And then December I was back in for more chemotherapy. And when you weigh 18 kilos and have just had that kind of surgery done, you just don't have the strength to kind of fight. And so December 2001 was definitely the closest I got to losing my battle. Um, I remember I was in hospital on Christmas Day and it was just, yeah, I had zero interest in presence. I've seen photos where, you know, I definitely think there was a huge um, concern that I, I wasn't ever going to get out of the hospital again. And yeah, I don't, I don't know what, what happened, but I think I slowly just began to regain my strength and the cancer was gone thanks to the, the amputation and the rest of the chemo and, I was basically put in remission and kept on very close watch for the next five years while I I tried to get back into my life. Wow. Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals for a second. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that really don't help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversation, and Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teachings so you're ready to practice what you learned in the real world. If you're heading to another country, anytime soon, start using Babbel a few weeks before you go to learn basics like how to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants without having to consult language apps while you're away. So fun. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L com slash talks. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line founded by the fabulous Jennifer Aniston. Jen got tired of the same old struggle we all faced, choosing between hair products that work and ones that are actually good for us. With Lola V, that dilemma is history. We all put our hair through the ringer. That's why it's crucial to have products that not only repair the look of the damage, but also shield your locks from future harm. Enter Lola V's bestsellers, the Glossing Detangler and the Perfecting Leave-In Conditioner. They're your hair's new best friend. For a limited time, you get 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com. Just use the code RAWBEAUTYTALKS at checkout. Lolavie is all about naturally derived plant-based goodness, no silicone, sulfates, parabens, or gluten, and of course, cruelty-free and vegan. That's 15% off your order at lolavie.com with promo code RAWBEAUTYTALKS. You can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Tell them I sent you over. I mean, I'm not often speechless, but I'm speechless. This is such an incredible uh, battle for somebody who's so young to have to go through. And it's not like it was just a couple of months. This was years of hardship and then of recovery. I think it's no wonder that we're so scared of cancer. It's no wonder that <laughs> that it brings up fear in, in so many of us. Is there anything that cancer gave you 
cancer gave me a lot. You know, I, I often get asked what I changed, what I went through. And it's something that my answer when I first said it surprised me, but I, I meant it honestly. And I, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't change anything that I went through. And, and that seems a little far-fetched maybe because, you know, living with a prosthetic leg every day and the challenges that that faces and plus the the trauma from what I went through and, and the ongoing kind of implications that that has on my life is huge. But the things that I learned, I can't even imagine not knowing if that makes sense. And, and you know, telling my story and, and the impact that I'm able to have has kind of become my life. And it's something that I'm absolutely obsessed with. And I, I actually was thinking about this in the shower the other day, because I don't know if anyone else comes up with crazy thoughts in the shower, but I do. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> I don't know what it is. <laughs> it's amazing. Maybe it's just that we stop for a second and actually have a moment. Really <laughs> but I was thinking, you know, there's that, that movie Benjamin Button where he lives backwards. And I kind of think of my life as this Benjamin Button in the sense that, unfortunately, we often don't, really appreciate life or we don't really understand hardships and adversity maybe until much later in life which is a really great thing because I would never wish adversity or hardship on anybody but you know we often don't get this perspective until we're a lot older and you know I learned this perspective before I pretty much learned anything else in my life so I kind of look at it that I have lived this backwards life in terms of what I've learned. And I was really lucky that I could learn that at a really young age because I can now use those lessons for the rest of my life and to hopefully help people learn these lessons without them having to go through the adversity itself, you know, because it's commonly talked about that we don't know what we have till it's gone and we don't, you know, all of these kind of conversations. But I like to think that I can use what I went through to hopefully help someone see that light and see those lessons without facing that hardship. Absolutely. And I feel that, you know, in my own story and going through my eating disorder and almost, you know, losing my life when I was only 16, that I have a very similar perspective on life and a very similar connection to something that I'm deeply passionate about. And I think where my perspective lies on this is that, adversity is our greatest teacher and it provides us the most opportunity to grow. So while it is incredibly hard watching the people that we love be faced with adversity, it's also such a gift because it reminds us that we are alive and that life is not forever, that life is finite. And so it's interesting as a mom, I'm constantly worried about, you know, my kids having to go through hardship. And I know the other day at school, I went to pick James up and a boy called him a weirdo right in front of me. And I almost like jumped the little (laughs) fence and like (laughs) every part of me was like, don't call my kid a weirdo. And like, oh my God, this is going to impact his self-esteem. And you know, my, it was my husband who reminded me they had our kids and us as individuals have to go through these hardships in order to really find our strength. That's where we find our power. So what I love about your story is that for anybody who's listening and is in that moment of adversity right now, is in that painful moment, is in that space of growth, is you know broken and trying to rebuild, is that your story is such a testament to the fact that it is not over, that in some ways it's just your life beginning. Totally. And something I believe so strongly is that it's it's our response to the adversity, not the event itself that will determine how our life moves forward, you know, and we have a choice. Yes. Adversity can be losing your dream job. It can be having cancer and losing your leg. Like adversity is on such a large scale, but it's something that shakes everyone's life probably multiple times throughout their life. And if you have, which we all have the strength to just 
sit back and go, no, you know, I can get through this and find the ways around it to live the life that you want. That's where the power is. And that's where, yeah, as you say, adversity can be our teacher. So in your path to getting to where you are now from facing cancer, losing a leg to being this incredibly inspiring woman. You've been on Dancing with the Stars. You've created this epic following of people who look up to you for inspiration. You've done a TED Talk. You have a whole career that you know really stemmed from this life experience that you have. What was the first step or what are some of the tools that you used to start moving forward from an event that really could have set you back in many ways? I think kind of what we spoke about earlier in terms of that resilience I had as a kid was really lucky for me. I, When you're a kid and you've just spent a year in hospital, all you want to do is make it to your friend's birthday party in the weekend and get back on the playground, you know, and get back into the sports that I love. So I had this resilience to just get back into life. And because I was so young, I wasn't thinking about my career and all this kind of stuff. I just wanted to get back into life. And I did. And, you know, learning to walk was actually, believe it or not, harder than having cancer. But, you know, so there was a lot of challenges that I was facing, but I was so resilient and I just was so determined to get back to life. And then it wasn't until my teenage years kind of hit me, which was probably four, maybe four or five years after the treatment had finished. And my life really took a shift. I really struggled a lot. I was, I guess, coming to terms with what I'd been through and I was maturing. So I was understanding the implications that that was going to have on my future. You know, I remember it's quite a morbid thought, but I remember one night lying in my bed and I was like, wow, I'm actually going to be buried with no leg. And like, that sounds so morbid, but it's just, it was the moment where I was like, wow, this is literally forever. You know, I'm, when I have a kid, I'm going to have to explain why I don't have a leg. You know, it's just this wall hit me right? and I didn't know how to get through it. And alongside that, well, even, even more than that, I was in my adolescence, you know, we're all struggling with body image issues and understanding who we are as people. And, you know, here I was with possibly the strangest looking leg. You know, if you go on my Instagram, I've posted some really raw photos of my leg and it is really unusual. So, you know, all my friends are wearing mini skirts and all this kind of stuff. And I just wanted to hide away. I didn't want to show the world what my leg kind of looked like. And this confidence just was completely knocked out of me. And I I couldn't find a way through and I spent probably two years, you know, openly at school and stuff you might not have known. I was, I've always been a really happy, positive kid, but at home I'd internalize and I would just, you know, I'd spend my nights for a good couple of years crying, you know, asking why me and why did I have to go through this? And I really couldn't see a light at the end of the tunnel and, you know, I couldn't see how this could get better. And then one day I hadn't worn shorts for eight years. That's a true story. All summer I would be in long pants, high top sneakers just to hide everything. Um, And, you know, I remember one day I was hanging out with some friends, really close friends, and they were like, it's really hot. Throw on a pair of shorts like you're just around us. And it was the scariest moment of my life, just putting on shorts in front of people that I knew and loved. It was so scary. And I ended up doing it. And it was the strangest thing in the world, just this, weight lifted off my shoulders and I through that and the the period around that I realized you know I was I was what was holding me back I I was the you know it's it's up to me to make the most out of this life that I've been given you know I see it as my second life and I didn't want to let cancer take anything else from me you know it took so much and wanted to let it take my happiness and my confidence for the rest of my life so yeah I decided to put on the shorts basically and 
that really small moment was me, I guess, accepting what I'd been through and setting me up for this life that I now live. And over the next couple of years, it was obviously ups and downs through self-discovery of self-love and um, learning to love myself exactly as I was. But through doing all of that, I learned so much and it's now what I speak out about. And I believe I was put in this really vulnerable position that I had no choice but to get through it to then learn these lessons. So that's kind of where I guess I learned to really be myself and to learn what I wanted to see in the world, I guess, and what I wanted to continue and how I wanted other people to see themselves. And, you know, comparison is not a great thing, but I also, it broke my heart that I saw people with completely perfect bodies hating their bodies. And, you know, here I was without my leg and I'd somehow found a way through. I speak about that and I don't want people to think that you can't have insecurities because, you know, even the most perfect supermodels in the world have insecurities. We all have them. But, you know, I do believe that I was given this kind of unique perspective on on life. And I guess I started speaking more and more about my story and people's reactions was always, you're so inspiring and you're so this. And as I got older, I kind of learned that I did have this unique perspective and I knew I wanted to do something with it. I just wasn't really sure what that would be. Um, I actually ended up studying fashion design and I was convinced I was going to be a, um, a fashion designer. And yeah, I spent about four years at uni and eventually it was probably in my later early uni years, I did this photo shoot, which I got this running blade prosthetic, which is really quite confronting in the sense that it looks absolutely nothing like a leg. It's so badass though. It's amazing. I love it. It is awesome. <laughs> it's really cool. But I, I got this leg actually, it would have been um, yeah after I graduated uni, so it was about two or three years ago now. And, you know, I realized that I had this this idea where, you know, I grew up in a world that projected this picture perfect, I guess, person of beauty who is often photoshopped and what we see in the media is just pretty much this one image that that is projected and it's something that never sat well with me. You know, I always had this thing where I was like, why can't someone like myself who's visibly very different be on a billboard selling a product to someone who's showing some young girl who's walking to school that it's okay to be different, that, that, you know, we are all different in diversity, that it's, it's not a trend. It's, it's a way of life and it's, it's how we are as humans. And so I decided to do this photo shoot with a friend, mostly for fun because he's a photographer, but also because I kind of dreamed of sending it to a modeling agency and hopefully getting signed so that I could then work with these brands to have these conversations. And I did this photo shoot and it ended up going viral about a week later. I had a thousand followers on Instagram. I posted mostly my dog and my family. And then I posted this photo and overnight I got about 10,000 followers and it's just completely grown since then. So I guess that's, that's basically how I got to where I am now and what decisions I made and I guess how my story has impacted what I do in my career. Goosebumps. Goosebumps. I think what I love the most is that it's such simple things and simple moments that allowed you to step into your power. You talk about overcoming that voice of insecurity by putting on a pair of shorts and just showing up in front of a small group of people that you love the most and how that, you know, almost killed that voice of insecurity right there and then in that moment. And then doing this one photo shoot and sharing an image that you wanted to see more of in the world and how 
people reacted to that and connected with you on that and and how you know authentic that is what a beautiful reminder that everyone has moments of insecurity and fear and doubt and uncertainty but that when we just show up as we truly are whatever that looks like that the universe supports us and that life it tends to kind of provide us with what we're meant to have. Yeah, it's so true because I did. I always knew that I wanted to do something with my story. I wanted to help people. I wanted to make good out of what I'd been through and I just didn't know what it was. And it's all ever since that photo shoot just completely fallen into place and still blows my mind how much it's growing, how much it keeps growing. Um, but it definitely makes me understand that, that, you know, this is my purpose and this is what I believe that I was put here to do, I guess. I love that. You often speak about the importance of listening to your body, which I completely resonate with. It's one of the things that I talk about the most in regards to health and wellness, but it's sometimes an abstract idea for people to wrap their heads around. Listen to my body. What does that even mean? Can you explain what it means to you and how people can tap into that? Yeah, I think for me, it's largely a really physical thing in terms of listening to my body. And I think what I went through as a kid, I've always had to be really aware of my body. You know, I, I'm really, I often joke that I could probably skip the first two or three years of med school because I've spent so much time in different areas of medicine. <laughs> but, you know, it's really taught me to be aware of my body and, and tune in to, to the pain that I have, which sometimes is a blessing and sometimes it's not. Um, but yeah, it's something that I do believe is really important. And it's something that I have actually struggled with. I do think it's a work in progress that's for sure you know a lot of the last maybe four years I've just been go 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 you know I wanted to run 10 kilometers and ended up completely blowing up my good leg and I'm so determined that I often don't tune into my body as much as I should but lately I've been getting really into meditation and just understanding that I need to slow down and it's you know kind of like we were talking about the shower it's in those moments of slow that you find those strengths or those ideas or all those different things so I think listening to your body is really important but it's finding that balance of listening to your body and also pushing yourself to, you know challenging yourself to kind of be better and do better and all those different things and you know for me as I said it is a quite a physical thing listening to my body in terms of you know is the food that I'm putting in my mouth is that fueling my body is that making me feel the best me you know not compared to a, the trendiest diet but is it making me feel how I want to feel and is it helping me live the life that I want to live physically you know I'm huge into my training I always have been training for me is a way of pushing my abilities and becoming beyond even more able than I ever imagined I could be it's constantly challenging myself and so I become quite obsessed with training because I love pushing myself to see just really what I can achieve and so not training is something that I struggle with but it's actually quite interesting just before Christmas maybe about around October I've just been feeling completely off I mean I did Dancing with the Stars last year so I trained for 10 to 14 hours a day for a solid three months. So I definitely did a lot of training, um, but my body towards the end of last year was just giving in on me and I was fighting it and fighting it. And I was like, no, I want to train. I want to keep moving my body and health in the way that makes me feel good. And then one day I woke up and I was like, I just remember thinking, I was like, Jess, you need to stop. And I said to myself, you're going to take this four weeks off, no matter what happens, just take four weeks 
regather, you know, and I was, this was the first time in a while that I really tuned into my body. And two weeks later, I ended up in hospital with um, some issues in my good leg. And looking back, I'm like, that's so interesting that that happened two weeks after that I'd listened to my body and that it just needed to stop. You know, it was clearly just fighting for me because I was forcing it to fight, whereas it just actually needed a rest. I do think, you know, listening to your body is so important and so powerful. And it's so interesting how, like I always say, it's fine if you choose not to listen to your body, but it will keep speaking to you and it will start getting louder and louder and louder until it is screaming at you and you're forced to pay attention to it. So you can really decide at what point you listen to it. But of course, it is that balance of still pursuing your dreams and still, you know, pushing yourself and knowing when to push and when to back off and when to try harder and when to try softer. And that's, that is a practice. That is a lifelong practice that we have to keep working at. And, you know, even the individuals who have overcome adversity and the coaches and the therapists, everybody's working on that balance, I believe, in figuring that out. It's really hard in this fast paced world that we live in to find the slow and to, and to really actually tune in and listen to your body. But it's, it's so important because we all have completely different needs from one another. And I think also when you listen to yourself and you slow down and allow that thought, you really learn to understand who you are and what you want. So therefore taking that slow only sets you up for an even better life at being your truest self. I can, I believe. Cheers to that. I think that is everything. And it takes everything to do that in a world that's telling you go faster, make more money, earn more, lose more weight, all of the different messages that we're getting. So let me ask you, what does health and wellness look like to you today? For me, when I'm at my healthiest and feeling the most well within myself is I guess when I'm doing all the things that that I know is right for me and that is what we just spoke about it's it's slowing down it's fueling my body in the right way it's feeling my most abled which right now I don't because I'm a bit injured but I think it's knowing that in those times it's okay because you know how to get back to that that sense of well-being it is different for everybody. I think health and well-being instantly puts exercise and food into someone's mind, but it's so much bigger than that. You know, your well-being is, I really believe, about knowing your truer self and, and being your truer self and whatever it takes to get there is different for everybody. But for me, something I'm huge on is the way that I feel my body. I've always been really healthy in what I eat and probably some of that is to do with the fact that I had cancer as a kid and I want to feel my body to support it for the rest of my life. But, you know, that is something that makes me feel amazing, whether it's trying celery juice or whatever it might be. Um, I'm still unsure if that does anything. Everyone's on to the celery juice right now. I don't know if I've bought it either. I mean, of course, there's probably some benefits, but I feel like it's everyone's on the celery juice. That's the 2019 thing. (laughs) I know, it's quite funny, but I had to try it. So yeah, health and well-being is just for me about supporting my body in the best way that I can. And for me, that looks different for everyone else. I have so many appointments every week, just, you know, maintaining my body and keeping it as strong as possible. And from acupuncture to nutritionist to rehab staff, it's hectic, but it's, um, I think health and wellbeing, if you can tune into your body, I think that's where it's, it's so important to really understand what your body wants and what your body needs. And if that's chocolate and a, and a movie night with the girls, then that's what it is. If it's a celery juice and going for a run in the morning, you know, that's what that is. So it changes. Totally. I love that. 
What would you like to tell someone who is out there listening right now who's really struggling with feeling that they lack something or that they aren't pretty enough or they're not tall enough or they're not fit enough and they've just got this not enough feeling that they can't shake? I think for me, and it's something that I say and it's something that I think is actually easier to say than it is, but it's to truly be yourself and find find yourself and to find that confidence. You know, if I look back on my journey when I really came into my own and let go of this, the insecurities that I had to a larger part is when I found the confidence to really be myself. I put on those shorts. I fought through all the insecurities that I had. That's when I really, really found who I was. Um, and I think that's really important is just being yourself. And I know it's something that we hear all the time, but to its truest, I guess, meaning it is so important for us all to kind of master. And then, Alongside that, it's that not letting adversity hold you back. I think that's so important. And adversity is such a big word. Adversity can be the insecurities that you face in life holding you back. It can be losing your dream job. It can be something something massive and or something that seems small, but it, it takes that same toll on on yourself. And yeah, I guess seeing trying to see adversity as a way to move forward. And yeah, I think that's really powerful for people to master because we're all going to face adversity at different points in our life. And if we can find a way to not let it hold us back, I think that's really powerful. Super powerful. And one thing I just noticed when you're sort of sharing that last piece is that it's almost like your moments of insecurity and those times that you questioned yourself or your worth also provided the doorway through to your own strength and power. It's like that huge insecurity you had about wearing shorts. When you just did it, you stepped into your power. That fear of being seen publicly was a stepping stone or portal through to your strength by letting yourself show up and by sharing that picture and doing that first photo shoot. So it's almost like if somebody's struggling with an insecurity or doubt that by digging into that and stepping through it and, you know, jumping off of that as a platform, that there's an opportunity there. It's making that making that insecurity your own and it's easier said than done. And I, something I really want people to understand is that it's a journey. You know, it took me 15 years to completely love the skin that I'm in, regardless of what I'd been through. You know, it's not, it doesn't, you don't have to step out of it instantly. We all go through these different processes. And I think that's so important in this fast paced world to understand that it is okay to be sad. It's okay to feel insecure. It's okay to not love your skin right now, but it's just something that we can't unpack and live there. You know, if I had unpacked and live in my sad, somber state, I would never have found the strength that I found, you know? It's understanding what your what your thought process is and then finding a way through that. And a lot of that needs to be self-motivated, but you also need to look at the environment around you. You know, who are you following? Who are you listening to? Who are you inspired by? You know, if you're feeling very insecure in your own skin, but you're following and looking up to the likes of Kylie Jenner, you know, you're probably not going to find a way through so many people out there doing amazing things. And that, that's what I've learned. Like I'm the fastest person at the moment to unfollow anybody or at least mute them. So much incredible like noise out there. We just need to block out the noise that doesn't inspire us and let in the noise that does inspire us. Hear, hear to that. All right. I'm going to ask you some of our raw rapid fire questions. These are questions that we just need the short answer from you for. Are you ready? Ready. What is your spirit age? Oh, I think I'm about 70. (laughs) (laughs) 
I love it. You truly are Benjamin Button. <laughs> I am. I'm an old soul. Perfection. What is your word for 2019? Mm, happiness. Name three women you love. My mom and my two sisters. How long does it take you to get ready in the morning? Oh, about 0.5 seconds. As long as it takes for me to put on my leg, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. What is your love language? Um, definitely I'm a, what's the word? Like I, I like the feelings that people give me. You know, I, I don't. Like the affirmation? Yeah, the, yeah, for sure. Who do you insta-stalk? Oh my gosh, so many people. Do you know, I actually am not a chronic one person Insta stalker, but I am like, I'm frantic. I'll be on the follower page seeing who else everyone else is following. And then I get lost in their life and their grandma's life. And then I'm on the next one. Oh, we've all been there. hundred percent. You're like, how did I get on this? Like Swedish guy's mom's yeah. boat photos of that. And there's just so many cool people. You know, I, I found your page and then I found all the incredible people you post about. And then I go on there and it's just, it's never ending. <laughs> it truly is. Okay. Would you rather watch Netflix, read, or listen to a podcast? Podcast. Uh, how many tattoos do you have? Oh, let me count. One, two, three, four, five, six. Six. Six and two being removed. <laughs> six. Oh, my God. I didn't even know. You're removing two? Yes, I'm removing two, but I have six <laughs> that I love. Are they the names of, of boys that you've dated? How did you know? <laughs> Just kidding. We could have a whole other podcast story on that one. I think they all relate my story, actually, which is kind of cool. Okay, but why are you removing two of them? Um, so I got no rain, no flowers written on my wrists and I, it was my first tattoo and I was doing it because I wanted to rebel against my mom who didn't let me get tattoos and I wanted to be an independent woman and I didn't like how they were done. So I'm getting them removed. <laughs> okay. Yes. The acts of rebellion never really work out to you. No, no, no. <laughs> but we don't know that until we're past our teens. <laughs> what is your Starbucks order? Oh, we don't really drink much Starbucks around here, but we have Starbucks, but I'm, I'm just going to put it out there. New Zealand has probably some of the best coffee in the world. So to us, Starbucks just isn't that good. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not good. I don't, I mean, I sh yeah, it's not. It's not good here either. I don't know what's going on. It's just everywhere. So it's like you can't avoid it. But okay, tell me what your favorite coffee is. I'm a almond milk latte drinker. Mm, yep, almond milk latte. I could use one of those. Yeah. All right. My last question. What is a habit that you would like to kick? Um, what is a habit I would like to kick? Oh, I would really like to stop using my phone before and after I go to bed because it's not good for my brain, but I can't stop. <laughs> Yeah, that is a tough habit to kick. Well, I cannot thank you enough for sharing your beautiful presence with all of us today. Jess, if people want to connect with you after this podcast or if they have more questions for you, where can they find you? Best way for me is on Instagram. My Instagram handle is Jessica Emily Quinn, which is my full name. For me, it's a page for me to connect with people. So I love when people message me, they ask me questions, you know, all that stuff. So come and hang out. Come follow my journey. <laughs> Amazing. I am sure lots of people will be heading over to find you. All right, beauties, that's it for this episode, but be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a single show. Simply search for Raw Beauty Talks on iTunes and click subscribe. If you like this episode, take a screenshot and share it on social tagging at Raw Beauty Talks. We'll be regramming your posts every week. Last but not least, don't forget to visit our website at rawbeauty.co to get your free handout, which summarizes all the key notes and takeaways from this episode. As we wrap things up, remember, 
your body is different than any other body out there. So as you listen to these episodes, it's important to keep tuning back into yourself to see what really resonates for you. Above all else, remember, you are worthy, you are beautiful, and you are not alone on this incredible journey called life. Do you ever feel like you're struggling through motherhood? You're not alone. I'm Erica Jossa, host of the MomWell podcast, therapist and mom of three. Join me each Wednesday as I sit down with guests, including psychologists, pediatricians, psychiatrists, fertility specialists, lactation consultants, and more to unravel the myths of motherhood. With expert advice, practical tips, self-love, and some coping skills to help you along the way, you can become the mother you want to be. Listen to the MomWell podcast at momwell.com slash listen or on your favorite podcast platform.